Hi, welcome back to Idgits and Aspects, a supernatural podcast. I'm Lynn. And I'm Michelle. And today we are talking about season six, episode 18, called Frontierland. We start I love out. This episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I this just, is a great episode. It's just season six. I like season six a lot. I like it a lot too. And I don't like thinking, I, I didn't think that I did for some reason, just because like you've got your whole like one through se- one through five, like season arc, yeah. seasons arc, you know what I mean? And I always felt that like season six, they were kind of floundering around, like, what are we doing? What's our plot? But there's so many good episodes in it. Yeah. Like, I think there's a lot of people that hate season six, And I don't know why, like, I'm in a few different, like, fan groups on Facebook or whatever for Supernatural, and everybody always, like, just, about season six, you know, and it's like, why? That's like, we're all of your favorite, they're like, oh, I hate season six, but I love The French Mistake, and I love Frontierland, and I love Clap Your Hands, if if you believe, and all these different, you know, they're like, what are your top episodes, and most of them are from season six, but they're like, but I hate season six, and it's like, why you know yeah I don't know why it doesn't make any sense yeah I mean there's a new showrunner for season six so I don't know I mean does the tone seem different I'm I guess maybe since it's got a different like plot going yeah yeah oh yeah Yeah. for sure yeah you don't have the doom and gloom as much yeah no not so much I mean it's still there but Mm mm-hmm Anyway. Okay, well, we start out in an old western town. We see a noose hanging from a gallows. We're in Sunrise, Wyoming. It's March 5th, 1861. Two cowboys step onto a street. They face each other from a distance apart. They open their coats and have their hands ready to draw their guns. One of them is wearing a sheriff's badge, and it's Dean Winchester. Hey, hey. <laughs> Hello, cowboy. <laughs> A clock strikes noon. The cowboys look at each other and draw their guns. The screen goes black and we hear a gunshot. So we cut to, uh, do we get our opening title sequence there? Yes, we get our opening title sequence there. I just didn't write it down. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so we cut to the Campbell's compound. It's 48 hours earlier and 150 years later. (laughs) Sam says, it's here somewhere. I know it. To Bobby, he says, help me move this. So Sam and Bobby move Samuel's desk and find a trapdoor. Bobby says, I'll be damned. Sam, Dean, and Bobby all go down the ladder. Sam says... I'm sorry, did you hear that? No. What was it? <laughs> there was a kid in the apartment below me, I think, that literally just let out the biggest... That was a pure just like shriek. I, just, I was like, oh, uh-oh. Uh-huh, so that's y'all so heard funny. that, I'm sorry. <laughs> I totally did not hear it. And I feel like I would notice screaming. You okay. know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it was really loud, but I mean, it was loud to me. I don't know. If it was, yeah. Anyways, continue. <laughs> okay. That's sorry. funny. That's okay. Okay. So Sam says, welcome to the Campbell Family Library. Dean says, so Samuel collected all this stuff, huh? Sam says, apparently. Dean says, wow, all right, well, what are we looking for? Bobby says, well, anything that'll put a run in the Octomom's stockings. Pick a row. So they all start looking through the books in the library. Bobby says, bingo. Either of you jokers ever hear anything about a phoenix? Dean says, river, Joaquin, or the giant flaming bird? Bobby says, it says here that the ashes of a phoenix can burn the mother. Sam says, the mother? Dean says, great, where did we get one? Bobby says, you got me. I thought it was a myth. 
Sam says, all right, great. Well, let's see if we can find something out about a phoenix. So they keep looking through the books. Dean says, guys, guys, check this out. March 5th, 1861, Sunrise, Wyoming. Gun killed a phoenix today. Left a pile of smoldering ash. Sam says, really? Whose gun? Dean says, Colt's. Sam says, Colt? Colt-like. Dean says, like the Colt from... And then Dean holds up a book and says, Samuel Colt's journal. Sam says, what? That's his? Dean says, yeah. Sam says, dude, no. Dean <laughs> says, dude, yes. They're like geeking out about it. Hardcore. They're like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yep. Sam says, well, let me see it. Dean says, get your own. Bobby says, well, what else did he say about the phoenix? What does it look like? Has it got feathers? Dean says, it just says phoenix. Bobby says, did he say where he tracked it? Dean says, no. Sam says, all right, so I guess we got to find one of our own, whatever it is. Dean says, I know where we can find one. March 5th, 1861, Sunrise, Wyoming. We'll Star Trek for this bitch. Bobby says, I only watch Deep Space Nine. <laughs> Dean says, it's like I don't even know you guys anymore. Star Trek Four, save the whales. Sam and Bobby both shrug. Dean says, we hop back in time, we join up with Samuel Colt, we hunt the phoenix, and then we haul the ashes back home with us. Bobby says, time travel? Dean says, yeah. Bobby says, that's a reasonable plan? <laughs> Dean says, we got a guy who can swing it. Dean stands up and prays. He says, Castiel, the uh, fate of the world is in the balance, so come on down here. Come on, Cass. I dream of genie your ass down here pronto, please. A blonde woman angel appears. Dean says, genie? She says, Rachel, I understand you need some assistance. How can I help you? Dean says, well, uh, we kind of need to talk to the big kahuna. Rachel says, I'm here on Castiel's behalf. Sam She's says, so snotty. She is snotty. Do not like nuts. her. Yeah. I don't like her. Um, Sam says, where is he? Rachel says, busy. Dean says, busy? Rachel says, yes. Dean says, well, we've got a line on the mother of freaking everything, so... Rachel says, I'm sure your issue is very important, but Castiel is currently commanding an army. So Dean says, so we get stuck with Miss Moneypenny. Rachel says, so you need to learn your place. Dean says, look, I don't know who you think you are. Rachel says, I'm his friend. Sam says, what, you think we're not? Rachel says, I think you call him when you need something. We're fighting a war. Sam says, we get that. Rachel says, clearly you don't, or you wouldn't call him every time you stub your toe, you petty, entitled little piece suddenly Cass is there he's he like hold on <laughs> yeah he says Rachel that's enough Rachel says I told you I'd take care of this Castiel says it's all right you can go Rachel says you're staying Cass says go I'll come when I can so Rachel whooshes away Dean says wow friend of yours Cass says yes she's my lieutenant she's very committed to the cause now what do you need so we cut to inside uh, Bobby's house uh, Bobby, does that make sense? Oh yeah, because they were in like the, the compound. Okay, <laughs> I was like, weren't they already in Bobby's? Bobby says, where the hell is Dean? Sam says, supply run. He said, I don't know. Cass says, um, about your plan. You'll only have twenty four hours. Sam says, wait, what? Why? Cass says, well, the answer to your question can be best explained as a series of partial differential equations. <laughs> Bobby says, yeah, uh, aim lower. Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> just no. Cass, I know. It's that's pretty cute though. 
Cass says, the further back I send you, the harder it becomes to retrieve you. 24 hours is all I can risk. If I don't pull you home within that time, you'll be lost to me. Sting comes into the room carrying some shopping bags and says, well, then we better get you a watch. Bobby says, what the hell's all that? Dean says, we're going native. Gotta blend in. Dean hands Sam a bag that says Wally's Western World on it. Sam says, oh, no, thanks. I'm fine. Dean says, Sam. Sam says, Dean, I can wear this. And he points to his current outfit. Dean says, and look like a spaceman? Sam says, look, just because you're obsessed with all that Wild West stuff. Dean says, no, I'm not. <laughs> uh-uh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sam says, <laughs> I know. Sam says, you have a fetish. Dean says, shut up. I like old movies. <laughs> Sam says, you can recite every Clint Eastwood movie ever made line for line. As Bobby, you should. Everybody should watch at least one Clint Eastwood movie in their life. Oh, that's true. Bobby says, even the monkey movies? Sam says, yeah, especially the monkey movies. <laughs> Dean says, his name is Clyde. At least wear the damn shirt. So we cut to Sam wearing a white Western shirt embroidered with yellow roses. Dean is wearing the whole Western outfit complete with serape. <laughs> Sam says, Dean, this is stupid. I look stupid. I gotta say, Sam does not look stupid in that Western shirt. He doesn't look stupid. Dean's outfit. <laughs> <laughs> Dean's outfit's a problem. That's a little different. <laughs> uh, Bobby says, Are you going to a hoedown? Cass says, Now is it customary to wear a blanket? Dean says, it's a serape. And yes, it's a, never mind, let's just go. He looks at the gold watches and chains in his bag and says, what's this? Bobby says, where you're going, they don't take plastic. Cass says, I'll send you back to March 4th. That should give you time to find the colt and this phoenix creature. Dean says, all right, well, we'll see you at high noon tomorrow, partner. Castile touches them on the forehead and the boys appear in Sunrise, Wyoming, 1861. They're outside. Dean says, oh, now we're talking. So we cut to inside Bobby's house. Cass says, I have to go. Bobby says, what about getting the boys back? Cass says, pray for me in 24 hours and I'll return. Bobby says, I'll pray for all of us. <laughs> Cass whooshes away and Bobby sets a timer for 24 hours. So we cut back to Sunrise, Wyoming. Dean says, all right, let's go find Samuel Colt. Sam sets his watch for 24 hours. Dean says, hey, we should try the saloon first and see what we can get from the locals. Sam says, sure, whatever, Sundance. Dean says, think we'll have time to hit on saloon girls? <laughs> Dean says, I'm kidding, come on. Sam takes one step uh, into a bunch of horse poop and says, oh, damn it, come on. Dean says, you know what that is? Sam says, yeah, it's horse Dean says, authenticity. I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally you know true. you're a true cowboy or cowgirl when you don't try and avoid the poop anymore. <laughs> yep. That's you just true. walk through it because it's there, you know? Yeah. So the boys walk into the center of town and see a hanging about to take place. Judge Mortimer says, we stand here today, March 4th, 1861, to execute justice upon... Elias Finch for the murder of his own wife. Did I say that first? Did I say that right? Elias? Elias. Elias. There we go. I even wrote how to say it, and then I didn't do it right. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> Elias. Okay. Uh, for the murder of his own wife. Sam says, wow, talk about authenticity. Judge Mortimer says, sentence handed down by myself, Ty Mortimer, duly appointed judge of the Wyoming Circuit. You'll be hung by your neck until you die. The sheriff says, you got anything to say? Elias says, you're going to burn for this, every one of you. 
Elias is hanged. We hear his neck snap and the onlookers gasp. Dean says, yeah, yeah. Dean says, good times. So where do we find Sammy Colt? Sam says, no idea. Huh, I think I know who to ask, though. And he watches the judge and sheriff walk away. Uh, A man turns around and looks at Dean's serape and says, nice blanket. (laughs) Dean is crushed. He's so, like, he looks so sad. It's not even like a little bit of like, oh, you know, like, huh, well, he just doesn't appreciate my look. It's like, these people are like his idols, even though he's never met them because they're from back in the day, you know, and he's just like, they don't like my outfit. You know? I know. No. I know. I re- <laughs> so he takes it off and throws it on the ground. Then the boys go into the jail. Dean says, Sheriff, can we have a word? Sheriff says, depends on who's asking. Dean says, Marshall Eastwood, Clint Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> this here is Walker. And he points to Sam and says, he's a Texas Ranger. <laughs> The sheriff says, so what can I do for you, boys? Sam says, we're looking for a man. Judge Mortimer says, I'll bet. Nice shirt there. (laughs) Dean says, what's wrong with my shirt? Judge Mortimer says, you're very clean. Dean says, it's dirtier than it looks. Sam (laughs) says, we need to find Samuel Colt. Do you know him? The sheriff says, the gunmaker? Dean says, yeah, is he in town? Sheriff says, not that I know of. Might try asking Elkins over at the saloon. Been here longer than God. Dean tips his hat and they leave to go to the saloon. They walk in and Dean is once again crushed. (laughs) (laughs) Dean says, this is not awesome. They walk up to the bartender named Elkins. Sam says, hi. Elkins says, what do you have? Dean says, oh, okay, great. I'll have your top shelf whiskey. Elkins says, only have the one shelf. Dean says, that'll do just fine. And he'll have a sarsaparilla. Sam says, you Elkins? Elkins says, the one and only. Dean says, do you know a man named Samuel Colt? Elkins says, he passed through here about four years ago. Sam says, is he still around? Elkins says, rumor is he's building a railroad stop 20 miles out of town, just by the postal road, middle of nowhere. Sam whispers to Dean, the Devil's Gate? Dean says, location fits. A woman walks up and says, howdy boys. Her name is Darla. (laughs) She's not looking hot. (laughs) No, she's not. Elkin says, Darla is my best girl. Darla has something funky going on with her lips. And her teeth. (laughs) And her teeth. But especially the corner of her mouth. Like, I wouldn't say it's like a cold sore, but it's like... She's like clearly got like full-blown herpes on her mouth. It's like rotting. Yeah, like she's got some nasty infection happening there. Yeah. uh. Darla says, try me. You want to kiss? Dean says, says, so much more germier than I pictured. (laughs) Sam is really enjoying this. (laughs) Then Judge Mortimer walks into the saloon and says, Darla. Darla says, oh, Judge, nice to see you. Judge says, I thought we had a date. Darla walks up the stairs with the judge and winks at the boys on our way. Sam tips his hat at her. Dean says, wow, that was a close one. (laughs) Sam says, I guess it's good to be Judge. Dean says, yeah, and he takes a drink of his whiskey and spits it back out and says, oh, God, it's like gasoline. Sam says, the sarsaparilla ain't half bad. (laughs) So we cut to Darla in her room. She lays down on the bed, and the judge lays on top of her and starts kissing her neck. She looks very bored. Then she sees something and screams. Sam and Dean hear it and go rushing up the stairs. In Darla's room, Elias is there. Uh, he puts a hand on the judge and the judge starts to burn. Sam and Dean enter the room and find Darla in the corner. The judge is just a charred skeleton. 
he looks like he he got recovered from Pompeii. That is exactly what he looks like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we cut to some time later. The sheriff is in Darla's room with the boys and Darla. Sam says, you okay, sheriff? Sheriff says, of course I'm okay. Darla says, it was a ghost. Sheriff says, it wasn't a ghost unless ghosts leave footprints. And we see some muddy footprints on the floor leaning out of the room. Darla says, I'm telling you, Elias Finch was here. He did that. And then he walked out that door. The sheriff said, rope didn't kill him. Seen it before. Sam says, well, you got any idea where he could be? The sheriff said, says, could be a thousand places. Dean says, well, you got a way to flush him out? Sheriff says, of course, we're going to form a posse. Then we'll string Finch right up, put a bullet in his head for good measure. Dean says, that actually sounds like a good plan. The sheriff says, you two should come along. Meet downstairs at dawn. Dean says, yeah, we'll be there. The sheriff looks at their clothes and says, get yourself some real gear first, huh? <laughs> Poor thing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Dean says, well, I think we ought to pay our respects to Finch. Sam says, I was thinking the same thing. So we cut to the cemetery at night. The grave is open and empty. Sam says, you, you thinking what I'm thinking? Dean says, rose from the ashes, burned up its victim. You know, maybe we're not looking for a flaming bird. Maybe the phoenix is actually walking around in cowboy boots. Sam says, that makes sense, right? Could be Finch. So question is, how do we put this thing out? Dean says, well, we do know one thing that'll kill friggin' anything, right? Sam says, yeah, the cult. Dean says, so you go get the gun. Sam says, but isn't the gun coming here? I mean, according to Samuel Colt's journal? Dean says, yeah, but people here barely even know who Colt is. Maybe you got to go find him and make history. I'll stay here, hook up with the posse, because you know me, I'm a posse magnet. I mean, I love posse. Make that into a t-shirt. I love it. <laughs> He's so thrilled with himself for coming up with that too, you know? I think that in that scene, you can actually see Jensen instead of Dean. He's just like, like hey. smiling. Yeah. Such a goober. <laughs> yep. Sam says, you done? Look, the problem is the cult's 20 miles out of town. How am I supposed to get there and back before noon? A horse neighs in the distance. Dean says, ride him, cowboy. So they buy a horse with a gold watch. Dean says, um, Sam tries to get on the horse, and Dean says, why don't you try the other side? Yeah, good boy. Sam says, right. He gets on the horse and slowly rides away. Sam says, yeah, right. Hey, this actually feels all right. Dean says, all right. Take it. Just take it easy. Sam says, yeah, you bet. I'm good. All right. 11 a.m., right? Dean says, don't be late. Sam says, okay. Dean says, all right, go on. So if Sam you gotta go 20 miles, your butt is not going to be okay when you get back. <laughs> yeah. Like, you better hope that you've got, like, a donut waiting for you back at home to sit on for a few days. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. <laughs> if you don't ride horses and you just go and ride 20 miles, that's a heck of a lot. Last time I went on a trail ride like a longer one it was like 11 miles or something like that and my butt was literally bruised <laughs> oh my god that sounds horrible <clears throat> I bruised my tailbone once when I was a kid and yeah. had to sit on a donut pillow for like a week see this doesn't bruise your tailbone it bruises like the bony part of your butt yeah so the part that like when you're sitting like on a chair or whatever you can avoid sitting on your tailbone you know like yeah. But when you're sitting on, like, the main part of your butt, <laughs> mm -hmm. there's no way to avoid that. It's just like, well, I'm sitting on bruises again, you know? Like, yeah. This is where uh, I am now. This is my life. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Um, so Sam rides away on the horse and says, I'm okay. Dean says, that poor horse. 
Sam gallops <laughs> off. The sheriff goes to his horse and Elias watches him. The horse gets spooked and runs off. The sheriff sees Elias and shoots him, but Elias is not affected. The sheriff says, forgive me. I'm sorry. Elias says, you had your chance. Tell it to the judge. Elias grabs the sheriff's face and the sheriff burns and dies. We cut to current time in a warehouse. Rachel and Cass are there. Rachel says, we need to talk. Cass says, you summoned me here? Rachel says, Castiel, I've been hearing things, things I don't want to believe. Just tell me if it's true. Cass says, if what's true? Rachel says, you know, your dirty little secret. Cass says, I have to defeat Raphael. Rachel says, not this way, Castiel. Cass says, Rachel. Rachel says, we put our faith in you and look what you're turning into. Cass says, I don't have a choice. Rachel says, then neither do I. They fight and she stabs him shallowly with her blade in his chest. Castiel turns Rachel's blade on her and stabs her and then she dies. Cass says, I'm sorry. Good rant, so. Yeah, that girl needed to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what's Cass up to? That's what I want to know. I mean, we know, but. <laughs> I know. I actually don't really remember to be honest, like I have like a va- like a main idea of what ends up happening, but I'm not really sure about like the details about like why or like what exactly. Oh, gets I remember. To that point. Yeah, I'll I tell know. you once uh, we <laughs> once we're done. Okay, <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> Remind me though, because I'll forget. Okay, I'll probably forget too. Uh, do to do to do. Where am I? Okay, we cut to Bobby's kitchen. Cass appears, bleeding from his wound. Bobby says, what the hell's going on, Cass? Cass draws a sigil on the kitchen cabinet with his own blood. Bobby says, Cass, are we running or fighting? <laughs> Cass That's says, so funny, though. Like, that to me, it was kind of one of those moments where, like, Cass just shows up and Bobby's, like, ready. Like, okay, are we running or are we fighting? And it's just, like, not like, what are you doing Bobby. here? Just, like, are we running or are we fighting? Like, very down to, like, yeah. down to business. I love that about Bobby. Mm-hmm. Um, Cass says, we're, but then he collapses into Bobby's arms. Bobby says, balls. <laughs> so we cut back to the past. Uh, we're in the saloon. Elkins says to Dean, new hat. Dean says, I look good. Where's the posse? I must be early. Elkins says, or you're the only greenhorn dumb enough to go chasing after a ghost. Dean says, what are you talking about? Sheriff's tough, and tough as nails. He'll be here. A man yells from outside. Oh God, the sheriff's dead. Dean says, or not. So they go look at the body, which is a pile of ash with the sheriff's badge in it. Dean says, great. Who's the sheriff now? Elkins pick, uh, picks the badge up and pins it on Dean's shirt. Dean says, what? Elkins says, now, congratulations, sheriff. So we cut to Samuel Colt's house. The man sits at his desk drinking. Two dudes enter. One man says, Samuel Colt. Uh, Colt says, you have the wrong drunk, gentlemen. Have a nice day. The man says, we've been looking for you. Colt says, and who might we be? The two dudes' eyes go demon black. Colt says, listen, I've long since hung it up. I'm tired and I'm too damn old for this, and I'm sure as hell not looking for any trouble. One of the demons says, well, it's found you anyway. We know that you built that devil's gate, Colt, so you're going to open it for us. That is, if you fancy keeping your lungs in your chest. Colt says, walk away, gentlemen. A demon says, well, I think we'd rather rip you to ribbons. But Samuel pulls out the colt and shoots the demon dead. He notices his broken bottle of whiskey on the floor and says, oh, that's a shame. A damn shame. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <So we> yeah. <laughs> cut- <laughs> I know. So we cut to the deputy's house. He's packing a suitcase. Dean knocks on the door. The deputy says, who's there? Dean says in a high-pitched voice, candy gram for Mongo. 
<laughs> the deputy opens the door and they aim their guns at each other. Dean says, howdy, pilgrim. The deputy says, I ain't no pilgrim. Dean says, all right, back up. Dean shows him a sheriff badge and says, is that any way to greet your new boss? The deputy lowers his gun. Dean says, missed you at the posse this morning. I was a one-man wolf pack, thanks to you. Then he looks at the suitcase and says, what's going on here? The deputy says, going to visit my sister. Dean says, well, she'll have to wait. The deputy says, but if I don't, Dean says, Finch said he was coming back for the former sheriff, Judge Mortimer, and you. That's two down and one to go. The deputy says, then just let me go. Dean says, you really think you can outrun him? He's going to kill you, unless. The deputy says, unless what? Dean says, unless we gank him first. The deputy says, gank? What's gank? <laughs> Mister, you're crazy. No way. You're on your own. Dean says, I'm not asking you to throw down with him. I'm asking you to play your part. The deputy says, my part? Dean says, yeah, bait. So we cut to Samuel Colt's house. Sam walks in and says, hello? Uh, Samuel throws holy water on Sam, <laughs> which is lube. Every time they throw holy water now, I'm like, it's lube. I know, right? It's They're like, just oh, throwing lube around. Oh, no, especially when it like hits them in the face and they kind of like. So Samuel Colt throws lube on Sam. <laughs> Sam says, okay, not a demon, not a demon, just a hunter, sheesh. Colt says, you're what? Sam says, are you Samuel Colt? My name is Sam Winchester. I'm a hunter from the year 2011. Colt says, prove it. Sam hands Samuel his Blackberry phone. Samuel looks at it and goes back to his desk and says, all right. Uh, Sam says, all right, that's it. Colt says, well, when you've done this job as long as I have, a giant from the future with some magic brick doesn't exactly give you the vapors. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Sam says, I need your help killing a phoenix. Colt says, a phoenix? They exist? Sam says, will you shoot one in about three hours? Colt says, if you say so. Sam says, I don't. You do. And Sam hands Colt's journal to Samuel Colt. Colt says, Colt looks at his two journals laying on top of each other and says, I'm either too drunk or not drunk enough. So what is it I'm about to do exactly? Sam says, well, the Phoenix is in sunrise. So if we leave now, you can, Colt says, I appreciate your situation, but I'm not going to be of any help to you. I'm booked. Sam says, right. But you say right here, Colt says, don't believe everything that you read. Sam says, but you're a hunter. Colt says, retired. Sam says, there's no such thing. Colt says, I'm out. Sam says, look, there's no getting out. For what it's worth, in my time, you're a hero. Colt says, me? Sam says, yes, sir. Uh, now look, we need to kill this phoenix. Its ashes are the only thing that can kill the monster I'm hunting. So stow your crap for a few hours and let's go. We got to go now. So either you're coming with me or I need the gun. Colt says, what gun? Sam says, the gun. Colt says, oh, that gun. I lost it in a game of stud. Sam says, you're lying. Colt says, am I? Now that doesn't sound like me. <laughs> Sam says, you shot a couple of demons with it less than an hour ago. Colt says, how do you figure? Sam points at the door and says, two pairs of boot prints. Cabin reeks of sulfur. Colt says, not bad. And shows him the Colt in his holster. He says, you don't want it. It's a curse. Believe me. Sam says, great. Then let me take it off your hands. Colt says, you go put on a few more miles and come back and we'll talk. Sam says, trust me, I've got plenty of mileage. Colt says, I'm doing you a favor, believe me. Sam says, so what, you can really just sit there? Colt says, I've given my whole life to this. I'm done. Sam says, so it doesn't matter what happens. Colt says, no, it doesn't. Sam says, so everything you did, it all means nothing. 
give me the gun. Cut to inside Bobby's house. Uh, the timer shows one hour left. Cass wakes up on Bobby's couch. Bobby says, Cass, you look like you went 12 rounds with the Trachosaurus. What happened? <laughs> Cass says, I was betrayed. Rachel, uh, Raphael, he corrupted her. She turned on me. Bobby says, sorry, girl's a real peach. Cass says, I, mean, yeah. I know. <laughs> Cass says, she's dead and I was wounded. I needed safety. Thank you. He tries to get up from the couch, but can't. Bobby says, hey, hey, what's with the finger painting? Castile says, it's a warning symbol against angels. Bobby says, how bad's it hurt? Cass says, I'll heal. Bobby says, well, good, because we got less than an hour before you pick up the kids at Frontierland. Cass says, I can't. Bobby says, come again? Cass says, this fight drained me. Bobby says, well, if you're up on blocks, then call in another halo and who can get the job done? Cass says, I can't. Bobby says, well, there's got to be something that can juice you up. A spell, something. Cass says, there's one thing that might work, but it's, it, but it's extremely dangerous. Bobby says, shocker, so lay it on me. Cass says, it's your soul. Bobby says, what do you want me to do? Make another deal? Seal it with a kiss? Cass <laughs> says, I need you to let me touch it. Bobby says, touch it? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I gotta touch it. <laughs> Cass says, the human soul, it's pure energy. If I can siphon some of that off, I might be able to bring Sam and Dean back. Bobby says, and the catch is, Cass says, doing this is like putting your hand in a nuclear reactor. I have to do it very gingerly. <laughs> Bobby says, or? Castiel says, or you'll explode. Bobby says, well, keep both hands on the wheel. Let's do this. So we cut to the past in the jail. Dean is waiting at the desk and the deputy is locked up in a cell. Uh, Dean says, never been late in your damn life, Sam, and now you're dragging ass. The deputy says, so this is your big plan, huh? Just let me rot in here till Finch comes? Dean says, pretty much. Why is he gunning for you anyway? The deputy says, I guess you missed the part where we hung him. Dean says, no, I'm thinking to a thing like Finch. That's no big whoop. He would have just blown town, but he came back. That seems personal. The deputy says, I'll tell you what, you let me out of here and we'll talk. Dean says, no can do. Elias walks into the jail and says, open up that cell. Dean says, open it yourself. You melt people's faces off. I bet you got the juice to tear that part, to tear that apart easy, don't you? Unless you can't, just like you couldn't break those cuffs when they strung you up. Dean throws the iron nail he's holding at Elias, who catches it, but then it burns his hand, so he drops it. Dean says, iron shackles, iron, iron, <laughs> sorry <laughs> iron shackles iron bars iron iron nail see a pattern don't worry most creatures i meet can't get it up for iron it's a common monster problem <laughs> elias says so you're a hunter <laughs> dean says slash sheriff elias says you know what this son of a bitch did dean says do tell elias says i was married to a woman a good woman human we lived Are outside of town yelling? what's wrong steve <laughs> He's like, hello! Oh, I can hear him. I thought that was one of your neighbor kids screaming again. Nope, that's Steve. It's <laughs> Steve talking. He just yep. wants to be a part of the podcast. Mm -hmm. All the time. Yep. Gotta be a part of everything. Yep. I swear you gotta get him a little outfit so we can take some more pictures. We're gonna we're gonna get him a flannel, I think. I have to look it up on like Amazon or something and see what's available. Oh my god, he'll be so cute. He's gonna hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I love it. 
It's going to be He's darling. It's going to legit be so pissed about the whole situation. <laughs> Ooh, maybe you can get a matching one for Hunter. Maybe. I don't know. And then they can pose together and be in their little flannels. And one can be Sam and one can be Dean. (laughs) We we might be able to try and figure this out. I wonder. Well, the thing is, it's like they don't make big dog clothing very much. Like, not that I've seen. It's more like little dog stuff. So I don't know, like, how easy it's going to be to actually do that. Yeah. I'm sure I could find it somewhere, but I don't want to be spending an arm and a leg for it either, you know? Right. Uh, but, but it would be so cute. It would be cute. We'll have to try and figure something out. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Elias says, I was married to a woman, a good woman, human. We lived outside of town and didn't bother anyone. Dean says, sure, freak with a heart of gold. Elias says, you want to call me monster, fine. But all we did was go into town. I go into the bank for five minutes. I come out and she's gone. And then I hear her scream. This man had her pinned in the alley. I go to stop him. He pulls his gun, shoots me, and then her. She died in my arms. Of course, I don't die. The shots brought the sheriff. Next thing I know, I'm in iron. That's why I want him just where he is, trapped and scared. I saved the best for last. Dean asks the deputy, is that true? The deputy says nothing, but kind of shrugs. Elias like, says, <laughs> yeah, what an asshole. Yeah. Elias says, so tell me, are you really willing to die to protect this piece of filth? Dean says, honestly, I could care less about him. He's a dick and a coward. The deputy says, hey. Dean says, but this isn't about him. I know what you are. Elias says, really? Dean says, yeah, so I got to kill you. (laughs) Elias Uh says, well, if you know what I am, then you know you can't. Elias grabs the deputy's gun from where his holster hangs and shoots the deputy who dies. Dean says, wow, I should have seen that coming. (laughs) Dean jumps through a window. and Come on, Dean. (laughs) I know. He jumps through a window and runs from Elias, who is shooting at him. Um, Then Sam is there. Sam says, Dean. Dean says, Sam, come on, come on. Dean says, hey, where's the Colt? Sam's, er, hey, where's Colt? Sam says, he's not coming. Dean says, what? Sam says, but he sent this. And Sam gives Dean the Colt. Dean says, oh, hello, beautiful. (laughs) Sam says, all right. Dean says, come on. So we cut to Bobby's living room. The timer has two minutes left. Cass says, are you sure? Bobby says, well, we can't just strand those digits in Deadwood, can we? Cass says, the risks. Bobby says, just don't explode me. (laughs) So we cut back to the past. Dean walks under the main road and says, get out here, Finch. Sam hides around a corner and says, what are you doing? Dean yells, come on, let's do this. Elias walks out and says, so this is how you want to die. Fine. He faces Dean. We cut to Bobby's house. Cass sticks his arm inside Bobby and Bobby screams. There is one minute left on the timer. We cut back to Sunrise, Wyoming. It's the scene from the beginning of the episode. Dean and Elias wait for the clock to strike 12, and then they shoot. Dean shoots uh, Elias, who dies, and turns into ash. Sorry, I wrote that really weirdly. There's like arrows and crossed out words, and I don't know what's (laughs) going on here. It's all good. Yeah, so he shoots Elias, and Elias dies. Dean says, yippee-ki-yay, mother. (laughs) Mother, uh, you know? mother, mother, f- <laughs> mother, mother, <laughs> <laughs> yep, uh, let's see, so, uh, Sam, okay, sorry, my notes are a little wonky here, 
Sam notices that it's noon and says, Dean, the ashes. They both run towards the ashes, but Cass teleports them back before they reach him. So cut back to Bobby's house. Dean says to Cass, you got to send us back. Sam says, Dean, look at him. He's fried. Cass says, I never want to do that again. Dean says, Bobby, are you? Bobby says, I'm still kicking, Annie Oakley. Be back good as new in a decade or two. <laughs> Dean says, and we screwed the pooch, Bobby. I'm sorry. Someone knocks on the door. Sam answers it. It's a delivery man from Western Couriers holding a package. Uh, the man says, is there a Sam Winchester here? Sam says, who's asking? The delivery man says, look, this is nuts. Me and a couple guys made a bet. So this thing's been laying around the offense, the office since ever. Offense. The offense. <laughs> it's been lying around with the offense um, with a note on it saying to bring it here today. It's from a Samuel Colt. Sam says, yeah, that's mine. Great. Thanks. Sam opens the package and reads out loud the letter inside. It says, Dear Sam, I got this address and date off your thingamajig, and I thought the enclosed might come in handy. Regards, Samuel Colt. Inside the package is a bottle full of ashes and Sam's dead cell phone. Bobby says, is that what I think it is? Dean says, ashes of the phoenix. You know what this means. Bobby says, yeah, I didn't get a solonoscopy for nothing. <laughs> Dean says, yes, and he's it so, means... He's so bitter. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> he really is. <sighs> Dean says, um, yes, and it means we take the fight to her. They all look at each other, and Dean pulls his cowboy hat on. And credits. Okay, so I have thoughts. So, I don't have a ton of thoughts, but I have some thoughts. <laughs> okay. So... I kind of, the whole thing about Dean in this episode, he, he kind of reminds me of a small child that like needs approval from his heroes, you know, like, oh, yes, it was, it was kind of like, it was cute, but also kind of sad, especially when they're like, um, why are you wearing a blanket? And they don't know any different, you know, they're just like, I don't get it, dude, you know, and he's yeah. just like, so disappointed in himself, like, how did I not know? You know? Yeah, yeah, he seemed crushed at a couple moments. He's just like, Serape like throws it on the ground, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> you've betrayed me, you know, <laughs> Yeah. but I, I kind of liked all of that, you know, like the little kid, like excitement in Dean, the, like the whole time about the whole like cowboy stuff, you know, mm -hmm. um, another one, I hope that at some point during Walker that Sam drinks a sarsaparilla <laughs> right he's got to like if they don't add that in there somehow like you're doing it wrong you know like yep. it doesn't have to be a huge moment just like have that tie-in you know that'd be kind of that'd be pretty great I also hope that Jensen Ackles is like on Walker at some point and it would be super fun if he was like a villain or turned out to be like the person who killed his wife you yeah. know what I mean like that mm -hmm. would be a lot of fun I think yeah I haven't seen, is Walker airing already? No, I think it's the 21st of January. Okay. I might be wrong on that date. It's the 20 something, I think. Yeah. All I know, because I've seen a couple of trailers, all I know is that his wife like dies or something in the first episode and then he's like trying to find the killer. I feel like his wife already died like when the show started and what we're seeing are like flashbacks, but that's just the way the commercial I watched kind of portrayed it. So maybe that's wrong. See, the one that I was watching, he was on the phone with her as she died. Ew, sort of that thing. reminds me of Criminal Minds so much. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, I don't know if he was like listening to a recording or something, but it sounded like 
he he was either listening to a recording of you know what I haven't seen happening. that trailer. I'm gonna go look for it. It was like a really long one. Okay, I'll go looking for it. But yeah, I don't know. I think that was like the full trailer. Maybe I don't know if they, I mean they because they have like a full trailer and then they have all the little like other ones that kind of like get bits and pieces, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I do want to watch that at some point. I hope that they have it on well because it's CW, so yeah, I could watch it on the app. Yeah. But yeah, that that should be good. I'm excited for that. I am too. Um. Also, I'm really impressed that Colt got the blackberry to work you know like <laughs> that seemed you know, a little unrealistic it was so unrealistic like he somehow figured out how to work that i mean honestly all you have to do is read you know figure yeah. out what the buttons do and then read it and go from there so it shouldn't i wonder how long it took him though to like figure out how to like <laughs> you know he's like scrolling around on like i want an outtake of that you know <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> or not like an outtake or like an little like side you know little footage little just some footage of that clip yeah. of like him going what the heck you know like how yeah. do I, oh okay you know like and emailing or emailing it <laughs> like mailing the you know ashes to the future or whatever mm-hmm. um because that was pretty good i did like that that so. was pretty good also like how did he know like, I'm sure Bobby's address is in Sam's phone, but, like, how did he know, like, what date to send it to? Well, he sent it because he told them that it was from this year. He said the year, but he wasn't, like, this date. And no. how would he know to go to Bobby's address? Maybe, are the boys living at Bobby's at this point? I'm confused. I don't know. My guess is that he probably saw somewhere on there of, like, you know, here's, you know, cause you can have your information in your phone. Mm-hmm. It's probably, he looked somehow found the information, like his information. And that's probably the address that they put since that's their only somewhat permanent address. That makes sense. You know, okay. I would assume that like, if the boys get mail, it probably goes to Bobby, you know? <laughs> oh, that's and then so they cute. Go and get it from him <laughs> because I mean, well, but I mean, if you think about it, like they'd have to, yeah, they're not going to be in one place for long enough, generally speaking to like get mail, you know? <laughs> right. Like they're kind of town to town within like a couple of days usually. So mm-hmm. it's not like they're, I don't know. They really have no permanent address other than Bobby. So my guess is that if he had like information in the phone, like it would have Bobby's address on there rather than yeah. anything else. So, yeah. Yeah. That was a little strange, but I mean, it wouldn't be too hard to be like, Oh, well, you know, especially if Sam, cause you know that Sam talked to Colt more after yeah. it cut out with him. That's true. So maybe trying- he told him the date. Well, my guess is that he probably said, listen, I've got 24 hours until I have to get back. So he's just like, great. So tomorrow and this year is when Mm -hmm. I send him the package. Oh, I think maybe Sam left the, um, the journal there and he saw it in the journal or maybe they looked at the journal together. If I don't know if Sam kept it or not. Well, it's his own journal, but Sam brought the journal from the future back. So there were two journals there. Yeah. Yeah, and that would have the date in it. Yeah. So. But it's the date of that day. Right. So, I mean, unless it said in a different entry that he, like. Oh, I see what you're saying. I got confused, yeah. 
sent, you know, like, oh, oh today I sent this to whoever, you know. And he's yeah. like, oh, okay, you know. But I feel like they would have brought that up at some point other than just then, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. <laughs> right. But anyways, um, so those those are pretty much my only my only thoughts. Other than Dean is such a cowboy nerd. <laughs> He is. There's one other episode um, in a future season that's a cowboy episode that mm-hmm. is equally good. And, <laughs> equally entertaining. Yeah, for <laughs> Dean's cowboy obsession. So yeah, he's I love just, it. He's got a thing for the cowboys. That's it. Is you know, it is what it is. Yep. But <laughs> um, so, what was your favorite moment from this episode? My very favorite moment was when Cass gets lightly stabbed mm-hmm. um that's not my favorite moment but um <laughs> when he goes and like teleports himself to bobby's house and bobby is like are we running or are we fighting yeah that's my like, favorite moment because, you showed up what's going down you know yeah like, like you're injured like what's going on like i'm gonna stand by you basically yeah. i love that from bobby and that's just bobby in a nutshell like are we running or are we fighting like what's happening so i can just hurry up and do it yeah 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 so I love that what was your favorite moment um so one's not really a favorite moment it's just more of like our I I liked it it was when (laughs) at the very end Dean's like yippee-ki-yay mother and then they just like (laughs) cut it out that was pretty good but my favorite moment is the whole posse magnet thing oh (laughs) yeah because yeah, you know me, magnet. I'm a posse magnet. <laughs> I love posse. <laughs> Put like, that on a, a t-shirt. <laughs> on a t-shirt, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> That's like, it's just such a memorable moment from like the whole series. It, it's pretty good, I like it. Also, I just felt like Jensen couldn't keep it together and he like shined through Dean Winchester's character. Yeah, his you know Jensen I mean? was showing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and Sam was like, are you done? Like... He's really? like, nope, <laughs> nope, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not done. <laughs> I will never be done, you know. <laughs> but yeah, it's th- those moments where like Dean gets so like, like, <laughs> you know, when it's like, I'm not sure if that's Dean or that's Jensen, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Those are I-, I like those moments in the show, but. Um, so our interesting facts from this episode, it says, uh, the barkeeper in the saloon is named Elkins. Um, in season one, Daniel Elkins possesses the cult. Um, it's likely that the barkeep is an ancestor of Daniel Elkins, um, and the cult remained in the Elkins family until, uh, the vampires took it from Daniel. I remember that. Yeah. No, it's kind of interesting. I never thought about that. You know, I never put those things together. Mm -hmm. Um, it says the gold Sam and Dean take to Wyoming is the gold that they took from the dragons in Like a Virgin. Oh, okay. Which, that's true. Like, where else would you get that? But that was just like a couple of episodes ago, wasn't it? And I already was yeah. like, where did this come from? <laughs> I know. I didn't make that connection either. Yeah, I'm no, sorry. I definitely didn't. Um, it says Dean goes by Clint Eastwood like Marty um, did in Back to the Future 3, and he's even wearing a serape. Mm-hmm. which I haven't seen Back to the Future free, free. <laughs> I haven't seen Back to the Future 3 but I think I saw the first one like a really 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 long time ago I've seen them all but it's been so long that I don't remember I think I think the third one is the one I remember the most but I didn't remember like I didn't remember any of that like the Serape or 
him saying it was Clint Eastwood. Yeah, see, like, I don't even remember which one I saw. I'm guessing it was probably the first one. Yeah. Maybe. And- <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, it says um, Bobby mentions that the only Star Trek incarnation he is familiar with is Deep Space Nine. Um, uh, Jim Beaver's late wife, uh, Cicely Adams, played the recurring character Ishka. Um, on Star Trek Deep Space Nine from 1993. Um, Additionally, Beaver played um, Admiral Leonard in the first episode of Star Trek Enterprise in 2001. Oh, okay. I didn't know any of that. Interesting. I haven't seen Star Trek, so... (laughs) Yeah, same. (laughs) Um, It says the opening title sequence shows a map being burned through its center to reveal the Supernatural logo, um, just like the opening title sequence of the long-running TV Western Bonanza from 1959 to 1973. Mm-hmm. I do vaguely remember seeing Bonanza back in the day. My grandpa used to watch it all the time. Oh my gosh, it would scare the snot out of me. I would come home after school and I'd like walk through the front door and like I always seemed to walk through the door in moments of the because he was deaf, right? So like he he had hearing aids. He almost never used them. And so instead of just using his hearing aids, he would turn up the TV so loud that it would like shake the place, you know? Oh my gosh. <laughs> And you're just, so you'd like, there's a couple of times that I swear I almost peed my pants, you know, like I would walk in the door and I wouldn't hear anything because it'd be like a quiet part of the show. And all of a sudden you hear, <laughs> and I'm just like, ah! you know, like, <laughs> ah! you know, like, what's happening? Or like yeah. something like horribly loud would happen and I'd be like, turn it down, you know, like, oh, yeah. no. you know, like, this is awful. So that's mostly what I remember from all of his old Westerns is getting snot scared out of me because he'd be watching it like all day long while we were at school and we'd come mm-hmm. back and because he he would stay between my aunt and uncle's house and my parents um house he'd get sick of the dogs at one place and come over to our house he'd get sick of the kids <laughs> over yeah. in that one and then go over to <laughs> my aunt and uncle's house so he just kind of did he mostly was at my aunt and uncle's house but yeah lots of westerns I saw lots of westerns mash cool, little though. house on the prairie and all bonanza and yeah <laughs> Um, anyways, um, so it says when knocking on a door, um, Sheriff Dean says candy gram for Mongo, um, to get the guy to open the door. Uh, this is a direct reference to a scene in Blazing Saddles, uh, when the sheriff is trying to trick a person, which I've seen that one time, but I don't really remember anything from it. I don't remember it at all. Um, yeah. It says, Bobby says they can't leave the boys in Deadwood. Um, Jim Beaver plays Ellsworth on the show Deadwood in 2004. Um, I did know that. I I think I saw one episode of that. I think I saw the very first episode of that show, and it was pretty good. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't know if I've even heard of it. (laughs) Um, It says the logo on the postal, postal deliveries, okay, read Rochelle. The logo on the postal delivery guy's jacket at the end of the episode is the logo for Winchester repeating arms. Oh, okay. I don't know what that is. I don't either. Um, like, is it to have to do something with the Winchester rifles, or is it, like, a totally I different... I assume so. I mean, yeah. it sounds like it. Um, it says, both Jared Padalecki and the real Samuel Colt were um, born on July 19th. Um, Jared was born in 1982, and Samuel Colt was born in 1814. Huh. That's kind of fun. That is. Um, it says, Dean gave Sam the cover name Walker, um... 
the sentence is weird. Dean gave Sam the cover name Walker. He's a Texas Ranger, which uh, the name of the TV series Walker, Texas Ranger, starring what? Okay, this is an awful sentence. <laughs> okay. Like they did not. Dean gave Sam the cover name Walker, which is the name of the ranger in Walker, Texas Ranger, which stars Chuck Norris. I just ad-libbed that so that way it would make more sense. Um, <laughs> so it says, uh, Jared Padalecki, Sam's actor, was um, announced as Walker, Texas Ranger for a reboot on the CW. Mm -hmm. um the title and the line uh good you got less than an hour before you have to pick up the kids from Frontierland" are based on the disneyland and disney world american old west themed areas um in the parks mm -hmm. um it says in the episode the french mistake um at sam's house there is a portrait of sam riding a horse cowboy style which he does in this episode um which i don't think i even like I remember seeing their f wedding photo and then like the big photos of like the big paintings or whatever of their faces. Oh, I remember the, the horse riding photo or framed photo because it's huge and it's behind him when he's on the computer and he looks ridiculous. And huh. I think I, I think I heard somewhere that he took that one home and kept it because it's so humorous. Yeah. Yeah. I would want to too. That's kind of like, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't remember that. I'm sure, like, if I were to watch it again and pay attention, I would probably see it. But <laughs> yeah, it's a funny picture. Um, it says when Bobby asks Sam and Dean, um, either of you jokers ever heard anything about a phoenix? Uh, Dean replies, River Joaquin or the giant flaming bird. Um, he was referring to the late actor River Phoenix and his brother Joaquin Phoenix. Phoenix. <laughs> phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> who is also an actor, um, Joaquin Phoenix, would later go on. What? It just sounded like you said penis. Penis. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. <laughs> I'm just giggling about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean for that to happen. Uh, that was still funny. <laughs> um, it says... Uh, where am I? Penis. I know, but I don't. Oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> okay, it says Joaquin Phoenix <laughs> would later go on to or go on to play the character the Joker in 2019's Joker. Mm -hmm. um, the character Elias Finch has the power to burn, and the actor who plays him, Matthew John Armstrong, had fire slash nuclear powers in the show Heroes. Um. Bobby refers to the mother of all as Octomom. Um, two years before this episode was made, uh, Nadia Solomon, Solomon? I don't, I don't, I don't know, know. Um, made worldwide headlines by giving birth to octuplets, all of whom survived. Um, within months, it was revealed that she had had six previous children, all by in vitro fertilization, and had requested that all of the remaining frozen backup embryos be implanted in her at the same time. <laughs> Something, and it has in quotation, something so unethical, the doctor who did it was banned from ever practicing reproductive medicine again. <laughs> yeah. At this time, she was a single mom, unemployed and on public assistance. Um, eventually, she tried and failed to get a reality TV show, was convicted of wel welfare fraud, declared bankruptcy, and faded from public notice. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know much about her other than, like, I know she had a lot of babies and then everybody was kind of like, ugh, about her, but I thought it was because of like she had so many babies and 
didn't really like it, it was just her by herself they're like you can't you, you know can't support like, eight kids yeah you can't and support the, six, the other six you know yeah <laughs> yeah oh geez um uh, so it says the last names of both Samuel Colt and Sam Winchester are both gun makers. Mm-hmm. Um, it says Dean introduces Sam as Walker, Texas Ranger, which he'll be playing in 2021. Um, and then it says Dean calls Rachel Miss Moneypenny, uh, referencing M's security from the James Bond novels and films, which I feel like a I've seen a couple of them, but I don't remember. Oh, I guess I do kind of remember M. Yes, but I didn't know it stood for Monty Penny. Um, it says, while filming the quick draw showdown, um, Jensen Ackles had to fan his gun, meaning draw the gun from the holster at his hip and quickly fan his other hand across the top of the gun to pull the hammer back. Um, on the first take, he cut his hand really badly on the pistol, which is a heavy metal prop and not a functional gun. Um, he had to film the scene a few times and each time ended up cutting his hand even deeper. Mm. Um, he now jokes that he has a nice little scar to show for it. (laughs) Um, it says along with several other illusions, the delivery man's role in lines parallel those of the delivery man, uh, Joe Flaherty. Um, I don't know if I said that right, um, in the Back to the Future sequels. Um, after Dean kills the Phoenix, he says, yippee mother. <laughs> <laughs> He's quoting John McClane in Die Hard from 1988. Yeah. Um, the arrival of the package from Samuel Colt to Sam Winchester mirrors Back to the Future 2 when Doc Brown sends a message to Marty from 1980, or, sorry, 1885 via Courier. Um, it says the arrival of a package from history by courier in the manner portrayed in this episode is also similar to that in the Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman book, Good Omens. Mm-hmm. And then the body count is seven. Okay. So our research, our research, <laughs> oh no, our research from this week uh, is about the Phoenix. Um, this is off of ancientorigins.net. Um, and it's titled The Symbolism of the Mythical Phoenix Bird, Renewal, Rebirth, and Destruction. <laughs> Ooh. Um, so it says, in ancient mythology, the symbolism of the majestic phoenix bird, which is most often connected with the sun, dies and is reborn across cultures and throughout time. Um, ancient legend paints a picture of a magical bird, uh, radiant and shimmering, which lives for several hundred years before it dies by bursting into flames. What a way to go. You live forever and all of a sudden you just spontaneously combust. <laughs> yeah, how long does how long does it say they live? Hundreds. Ooh. Several hundred years. Okay. So but it doesn't really say anything other than that. Okay. Um it says it's then reborn from the ashes to start a new long life. Um so powerful is the symbolism that this um that it is a motif, an image that is still used commonly today in popular culture and folklore. Uh, The legendary phoenix is a large, grand bird, much like an eagle or peacock. Um, It is brilliantly colored in reds, purples, and yellows, as um, it is associated with the rising sun and fire. I wouldn't associate purple with fire, though. Yeah, me neither. Maybe blue, but not purple. Um, Anyways, (laughs) it says, sometimes a nimbus will surround it, which I don't know what that is, um, illuminating it in the sky. Um, Its eyes are blue and shine like sapphires. It builds its own funeral pyre or nest and ignites it with a single clap of its wings. 
after death, it rises gloriously from the ashes and flies away. So it's just like, I want a new body. Poof. <laughs> I want to be so, young again. You know? I wonder, is it like a baby when it is reborn? Or is it like a full-on big adult? I mean, if it flies away, most baby birds can't fly. Yeah, you're right. Okay. So maybe it's like a juvenile bird. <laughs> <laughs> An adolescent, we'll say. Maybe we'll call it that, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> um, it says the phoenix symbolizes renewal and resurrection and represents many themes such as the sun, time, the empire, oh my, um, meta, oh, meta, my, psychosis, oh no, how do you even say that word? <laughs> Metamucil? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Metempsychosis. I'm going to okay. go with. Um, consecration, resurrection, life in the heavenly paradise, Christ, Mary, virginity, and the exceptional man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it says, Tina Garnett writes in the, um, the Phoenix and Egyptian Arab and Greek mythology of the long-lived bird. When it feels its end approaching, it builds a nest with the finest aromatic woods, sets it on fire, and is consumed by the flames. From the pile of ashes, a new phoenix arises, young and powerful. There we go. So it's young. Okay. Um, it then embalms the ashes of its predecessor in an egg of myrrh and flies to the city of the sun, Heliopolis, where it deposits the egg on the altar of the sun god. So it's not the same bird, it sounds like. It's a different bird because it takes the old bird and stashes it somewhere. Yeah, okay. At least huh. that's kind of what I'm getting from it. Um, it says there are less, lesser known versions of the myth in which the phoenix dies and simply decomposes before rebirth. Um, the Greek named it the phoenix, but is um, it is associated with the Egyptian Bennu, uh, the Native American Thunderbird, the Russian Firebird, the Chinese Feng Huang, I might have said that wrong, and the Japanese, oh, I'm going to really butcher this one, um, H-O dash O, I'm going to go with Ho, <laughs> because I don't know. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, um, it says <laughs> it's believed that the Greeks called the Canaanites um, the Phoenikes or Phoenicians, <laughs> which may derive from the Greek word phoenix, meaning crimson or purple. Um, indeed, the symbology of the phoenix is also closely tied with the Phoenicians. Okay. Um, it says, perhaps the earliest instance of the legend, the Egyptians told of the Bennu, um, a heron bird that is part of their creation myth. The Bennu lived atop Ben-Ben stones or obelisks and was worshipped alongside Osiris and Ra. Um, Bennu was seen as an avatar of Osiris, a living symbol of the deity. Um, the solar bird appears on ancient amulets as a symbol of rebirth and immortality, um, and it was associated with the period of flooding of the Nile, bringing new wealth and fertility. Um, Greek historian, oh man, these names, Her Herodotus, um, wrote that priests of ancient Heliopolis, <laughs> oh man, described the bird as living for 500 years before building and lighting its own funeral pyre. Um, the offspring of the birds would then fly from the ashes and carry priests to the temple altar in Heliopolis. Um, in ancient Greece, it was said the bird does not eat fruit, but frankincense and aromatic gums. Oh. 
<laughs> okay, when I think of aromatic gums, I automatically think of that like blackjack gum. Oh yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, or, like I do. the clove gum and that sort of stuff. My mom really likes that stuff, but I just yeah, can't. I don't like it. I can't get behind it, but that's what I think of. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily sound like a good thing to me. This isn't like oh, what is it? Like the hubba bubba stuff or anything, you know? Yeah. um it also collects cinnamon and myrrh for its nest in preparation for its fiery death cinnamon seems like a good you know seems reasonable (laughs) yeah um in asia the phoenix reigns over all the birds and is a symbol of the chinese empress and feminine grace as well as the sun and the south the sighting of the phoenix is a good sign that a wise leader has ascended to the throne and a new era has begun It was representative of Chinese virtues, um, goodness, duty, propriety, kindness, and reliability. Palaces and temples are guarded by ceramic protective beasts, all led by the phoenix. Hmm. Um, It says the mythical phoenix has been incorporated into many religions, signifying eternal life, destruction, creation, and fresh beginnings. Um, Due to the themes of death and resurrection, it was adopted or I'm guessing it was adopted as a symbol in early Christianity. The sentence is a little funny there. Um, As an analogy of Christ's death and three days later, his resurrection. The image became a popular symbol on early Christian tombstones. Um, It is also symbolic of a cosmic fire, some believe, created the world in which will consume it. Um, In Jewish legend, the phoenix is known as the Milcom. Um, a faithful and immortal, immortal bird. Um, going back to Eden, when Eve possessed the apple of knowledge, she tempted the animals of the garden with the forbidden fruit. The Milcom bird refused the offer and was granted for its faith a town where it would live in peace almost eternally, rebirthing every thousand years, immune to the angel of death. Hmm. Um, it says the phoenix is also an alchemical symbol. Um, It represents the changes during chemical reactions um, and progression through colors, or properties, sorry, of matter, and has to do with the steps of alchemy in the making of the great work or the Philosopher's Stone. Um, Harry Potter, here we come. (laughs) No, that's what I was thinking of. I know. Um, Modern additions to the myth in popular culture say the tears of the phoenix have great healing powers, and if the phoenix is near one, um, you cannot tell a lie. Um, continually morphing and remorphing. Um, the phoenix represents the idea that the end is only the beginning. Um, much like this powerful myth, the symbol of the phoenix will be reborn over and over again in human legend and imagination. Hmm. So, okay. I kind of want to see a phoenix. I know. Like, obviously, they're not a thing, but like that'd be kind of a cool, like, big firebird, you know? <laughs> like, That'd be amazing. And I want to test out that lie thing. Be like, try to lie. Just lie to me. I know. My favorite color is brown. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> that would be kind of fun. But, and like, cool. I mean, healing tears aren't, wouldn't be bad either. You know how many, I wonder what it heals though. If it's like a flesh wound sort of situation or if it's more of like a, heal anything sort of situation yeah now i'm thinking of rapunzel <laughs> i know right from tangled oh i like that. yeah i love that movie so much i think that's my favorite disney movie yeah i don't that's not my favorite disney movie i think well 
out of the newer ones, I hate to be that person, but I think Frozen is my favorite. <laughs> yeah, Frozen's good. I like Frozen, but or I love Moana. Rapunzel more. Yeah, oh, I yeah. think Moana might be actually better more than Frozen, but out of all of like the classic Disney movies, definitely Lion King. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I think Beauty and the Beast is mine. That's a good one, too. Yeah. Apparently, when I was really little, my thing was The Little Mermaid. Oh, I love The Little Mermaid. I used to sing that song when I was pooping. Which one? <laughs> Look at this stuff. <laughs> Isn't it neat? <laughs> Wouldn't you think my collection's complete? <laughs> yep, that was my pooping song. <laughs> That's kind of fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but I only used to do it when I pooped in public. Even better. <laughs> I'm going to serenade the people so they don't know that I'm pooping. They just think I'm, you know, yep. obsessed with Disney. <laughs> That's kind of fabulous. <laughs> so what So what was your idiot or ass butt moment from this week? Okay, so I bought this new swimsuit online, and I bought it from a company that is very popular and popular for their swimsuits, and uh, it came in the mail, and it's perfect, it fits perfect, it's awesome looking, I love it, it is like true to the color and all that, but it's- That's impressive, they're usually not. (laughs) Oh, it was, it was like spot on perfect, fit perfectly. But it smells, oh my God, it smells. It smells like plastic and like really strong. Like, I don't even know. I washed it like eight times. And yeah, I have the like free and clear um, laundry detergent. So it's not good for like odor removal. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just thought like, I just don't have the right detergent. So I went out and I bought some like odor eliminating detergent. Mm-hmm. And it helped, and it helped a little bit, but like not really. So I would try Otoban. I mean, you don't really want to wash swimsuits because it they're not really meant for that. Like just after all my years of doing like water polo and all that sort of stuff, like mm-hmm. washing swimsuits is makes them deteriorate a lot faster. So if you really like a swimsuit, don't uh, <laughs> don't yeah. destroy it faster by washing it. You just want to like rinse it in warm water and then like wring it out and let it hang dry or whatever. But um, once you uh, also use it too, it might with like if especially if you're in chlorine, it might kind of help the yeah, smell go away if help. you use it a couple times. But yeah, yeah it's Oto so Man. weird. Okay, I've never heard of that. I'll have to go find it. It's like a concentrate it's not thick like a soap but you put it in like I'm trying to remember if you put it in with the soap or you put it in like in like the bleach container you know I don't I don't totally remember or no I think maybe you put it in with like fabric softener or okay I, I don't remember but at any rate we used to use it um when I worked at the PG clinic and um you know because especially when you have people that come in that are like heavy smokers and you know, they've got lotion on their skin and it's kind of all getting into the fabrics. Like it can smell really bad. So, um, you have to like have something that will get rid of that. So the Otoban is pretty good and you can get different ones, like different scented Otobans. Like you can get like a lavender one or whatever, but we always just Hmm. use the plain Otoban, but yeah, that works pretty well. So if there's any, ever anything that's like really nasty smelling that you need to wash and you want to like keep it but the smell needs to go Otoban's your thing okay and I can get it at just like Target or something oh I'm sure yeah you can probably yeah. get it anywhere I okay. mean I don't 
Yeah, I've just never heard of it before. It, but yeah. yeah, okay. All right, I will do that because I love this swimsuit, but Jesus Christ, it stinks. <laughs> so. I mean, it could at least... Okay, here's the one thing that I don't like the clothes from Target so much because they smell bad until you wash them. Oh, I haven't noticed that. Oh, I've had a couple. I mean, I don't really like go to Target very frequently. I guess I shouldn't say the clothes, the jeans from Target. Okay, yeah. Have I like, can see that. they have like a weird, I don't even know what the smell is, but there's a pair of pants that I got there like four years ago and I've washed it with. I think everything but Otoban maybe, or maybe I did wash it with Otoban. I don't remember, but like I've washed them so many times and it doesn't even matter. They still smell, you know, like, yeah, and I not do. awful, but not good either. Yeah. That's weird. I mean, I buy a lot of clothes from Target and I haven't noticed that except I do have one pair of jeans that does have kind of a smell to it and it's not terrible. Yeah. But it is like, it definitely has a smell. Yeah, when I first got these pants, like, I couldn't wear them. Like, I tried them on, and I wore them a little bit, and I couldn't do it because they were so smelly. Like, Hmm. it was just, like, following me everywhere it went, and I'm like, everybody else has got to smell this. If I smell it, then they've got to, you know? Yeah. And so I washed them a few times to try and get rid of it, and it's better. Like, I can wear the jeans now, but I can still smell it if I, like, if you, like, smell the fabric, you can still... Yeah. yeah. Smell it, I was like, Killian, smell the swimsuit and tell me if it stinks. And he took a whiff of it and he goes, Oh, that smells good. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, it doesn't smell good. It <laughs> smells like plastic chemicals. Like, okay, apparently plastic chemicals smell. He might be one of those people that thinks gasoline smells good, though. <laughs> oh my God. You're probably right. What the hell? <laughs> I've never understood that. It burns your nose. Like, it hurts. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I can't imagine that smelling good. Yeah. Same here. People think that. <laughs> well, what was your idiot or aspa moment? So mine is that Steve <laughs> keeps trying to escape. So whenever we're over at Travis's house, you have to like watch the door really carefully. Now you can't just like, you know, leave it open while you're waiting for the dog to go in or out because he will dart for the door and run outside. <laughs> Oh my God. And he's done it twice now where he's like, and he doesn't get very far because he's afraid of the outside. So I don't know why he keeps trying to get out there. Like he goes out there and he just like slinks across the ground and is like, ah, and like looking at everything like, oh no, what have I done? But he wants yeah. out so bad. And That's he like, so strange. Oh, he'll go and he'll like scratch at the slider and just like keep scratching and yowling and just, oh, oh and you're like, let me out. And it's like, no, you don't go outside. You are not an outdoor kitty. And like, but I blame myself because I took him outside one time. (laughs) He was on a leash, Mm -hmm. on his little leash or whatever. So I could kind of like let him wander and see things, you know, without having him run off. And he was like a nervous wreck the whole time. You know, like he was just like looking around like, oh no, what to do? But I mean, he's not an outdoor cat. So he's probably like completely overwhelmed. But right. he got one taste of the outdoors, and now he's like, I need it, you know, like, let me out. And he keeps escaping, and he always goes to the same spot, so it's fairly easy to get him. But, like, I can't tell you how many times he's run out the door, and, I mean, I don't wear shoes in the house, so, and you know, if I've got my thick, fuzzy socks on, and I'll run outside in my socks to grab them, and it's Washington, so it's pouring down 
rain or wet and so my socks get all soggy and I'm like wandering around with wet socks trying to find the cat but yeah Steve's kind of been a bit of an ass butt about that (laughs) does he do that at your apartment too nope only at Travis's that's crazy I mean if I have my um if I have my slider open so I'm on the second floor and sometimes I'll just like you know when it's warm outside I'll leave the screen door shut and then I'll slide use the slider door and he's like face pressed up against the screen like hey when I open the door for the porch and like if I'm going outside or whatever if I'm going to sit out there I'll let him out there mm-hmm. but he I kind of have to watch him because he eats my plants <laughs> oh yeah I've only got a couple of plants, but I don't think cats are necessarily supposed to eat ferns. And every time I turn around, he's like a little drug addict. He like has to have another bite of the fern, you know, like he doesn't, (laughs) he can't leave it alone. And so I have to like watch him and then eventually he'll get so fixated on it that I just have to kick him back inside and just like, you're done, you know, Mm -hmm. like, but yeah, I mean, he does kind of, I mean, he likes to be outside at my apartment and if I open the door, he'll come over and go out, but he's not like beating at the door going let me out you know like yeah how he just weird goes out if it's presented to him sort of thing is it when the dog is outside too or is it like it doesn't even matter where the dog is huh yeah if the dog has gone in or out lately then he gets because he like reminds him that the door is there and then he'll go over because he hears the door like every and he now knows if I tell the dog, do you want to go potty? Then Steve comes running because he's like, great, the door's going to be open. You know, like, so he'll come over and he'll kind of like inch his way towards the door. And then if he gets close enough, he'll dart for it. So you have to like hold back the cat with your foot and let the dog out. (laughs) Yeah. What a weirdo. I just, I don't know what it is, but he's decided that that's his thing. So. Hmm. I'll have to like, I'm kind of like, do I just take him outside more and more? So then that way he gets used to it and he's not so obsessed with getting out or do I just like never take him outside? So then that way he like, I mean, obviously I wouldn't take him out without like a leash or something so he couldn't run off, but like, do I just ignore it and hope it goes away (laughs) or do I take him outside and hope that it works its way out of the system? Yeah, I don't know. I think it might make it worse if I take him out, but I'm not sure. Yeah, it might. So, anyways. Yeah, Uh, that was my aspect moment is Steve trying to constantly escape over the last few weeks. (laughs) mm -hmm. He's not as bad about it, but he's definitely had a couple moments where he's, he darts. And then I end up with wet socks and I don't appreciate it. Yeah, what a jerk. He is a jerk sometimes. Yeah, he's like the cutest little jerk ever, though. He is the cutest little jerk. He's got a full, like, mane right now Mm because... I, I think he's part Maine Coon is he gets like really, really fluffy in the winter, like yeah. really fluffy. And then he loses it all though in the summer and he's like really sleek and he's still got like medium length hair, but he has no mane where like, he's got a full like chest full of hair. <laughs> right now. Yeah. He looks like a little lion. It's very cute. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. You can email us at idgitsandaspetspodcast at gmail.com, the word and is spelled out, or visit our Facebook page, Idgits and Aspects, a supernatural podcast. You can also find us on Instagram. Thanks again. Thank you.